Okay, we're going to start here on the bottom of Ted Bet by the two dots on the last line. Amri Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanina. Lama Nismechu Olim Lenechalim. Why is there a juxtaposition between the tents and the rivers? Because it says in Parshat Balak, Kenechalim Nitayu, like rivers that wind, Kiganot Ale Nahar, like gardens alongside the river banks. Kohalim nata. Now, here there's a machloket how to interpret this word, kohalim. The pashtut of the pasuk is kohalim nata, is like aloe trees that were planted. Rashi over here says the word ohalim refers to tents. The difficulty with that is that the diktuk does not necessarily support that, because if it really was tense, it should say ka'ohalim, with a cholem, and not with a chatapatach. And therefore, Tosafot says that the ohalim here is besamim, aloe. But then, where is the smichut parshiot? According to Rashi, you have kinechalim nitayu, which is the beginning of the pasuk, and then you have ko'alim nata. So the two of those, that's the juxtaposition between the rivers and the tent. Tosafot says you have to just have to look at the pasuk beforehand. The pasuk beforehand says matovu ala and then this is the next Pasuk. So the juxtaposition between Ohel and Nechalim comes from the Pasuk that precedes it. Now what is the juxtaposition? What does the Smuchim teach us? Just like one who goes to the mikveh inside of the river, that changes his status from that of being impure to pure. So to the tent, bring a person from being guilty to the side of the merits. And that is, as Rashi points out, Ohalim here refers to Batei Midrashot, the Ohel of Torah. So just like the river in the physical world has the ability to be Metaher someone, so too Torah and Limud the Torah in the Beit Midrash has the ability to Metaher and give schut to an individual in the spiritual world. Now the Gemara continues with what we found in our Mishnah, lo Someone who reads it out of order is not Yotzei. Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi, Avukakatrin, Leganana, Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Ami and Rasi were tying a chuppah. They were making a chuppah for Rabbi Elazar. Whether that means literally a chuppah or they were building him a room for him to live in. Amar Luhu, he said to them, Adahachi Bahachi, while you're working on my chuppah, Ezel Eshma Milta de Midrash. I'll go to the Beit Midrash and hear what they're saying. And then I'll come back and relate to you what I hear. So they heard the Tana, someone presenting in front of Rabbi Yochanan. A Tosefta. Kara vita'a. Person who was reading Kriyat Shema made a mistake. Ve'eno yodel ha'echanta'a. And he doesn't know where he made the mistake. Then, yachzor the Rosh. He goes back to the beginning. He makes the mistake in the middle of a parak. Yachzor l'tchilat ha'perak. Then he goes back to the beginning of the parak. Ben parak the parak. If he made the mistake between prakim, yachzor the parak rishon. Goes to the first split. Ben Ktiva Ktiva. If he makes a mistake between Ktiva and Ktiva, Yachzor Ktiva Rishonai goes back to first Ktiva. Let's break this down. You have, first of all, Karavita. He is reading and he makes a mistake and he has no clue where he made the mistake. He has no recollection of where he made the mistake, whether he started or didn't start. Then he's Yachzor the Rosh. He goes back to the beginning. Now, as Tosafot points out, if he knows certain things that he said for sure and he didn't make a mistake there, he doesn't have to go back to the beginning. He wants to go back to the location from which the Safek started. And so if he knows for certain he said certain psukim, then those are covered, and then he just starts from there and onward. Now, if he's in the middle of a parak, meaning that, say, for instance, he's in Vayayim Shema, and he's uncertain as to where he made the mistake there, he doesn't have to go back to the beginning of Kriyat Shema, he just goes back to the beginning of that parak. Now, Ben Parak, the parak, if he's found between two paragraphs, 
And it goes back to the first interval or first intermission, which is between Shema and Vayayim Shemal, because that's the first gap. So he couldn't be earlier than that. So that is the point that he must have gotten to. is between in Parshat Shema, it says, And so too, it says the same in the end of Parshat Vayayim Shema. So if he's uncertain as to where he is in Kriyat Shema, he's saying, and he's uncertain as to whether he's saying that in the first paragraph or the second, he goes back to Ketiva Rishonai, he goes back to the first paragraph, assuming that that's where he is. So then Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan responded about this Tosefta, as long as he didn't continue and read the next Pasuk, which is Laman Yibu Yimechem. But if he continued with the next Pasuk, then he is reading it by rote, by routine, and that means that he knows he's already in the second paragraph. Even though he's not aware of the fact that he's in the second paragraph, subconsciously he knows he's there, and therefore he continues to read Laman Yibu Yimechem, and that is an indication that he must have been in Vayam Shemo, he doesn't have to go back. Out of Amarluhu, Rabbi Lozer returned to Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi and relate to them what he had heard. Amrulei, they said back to him, Had we not come here just to hear these words, it would have been enough, it would have been sufficient for us. So it was Kedai that you went and found this information and came back and told us this while we are working on the preparations for your wedding of the chupa. Umanim korim The workers read while they're still up in the tree. Uberoshanidbach, or if they're on the, whether it's scaffolding here or on the stone wall that they're working on. Which is not true when it comes to davening Shmon As Rashi points out, Tzlota is asking from Hashem, Rachamim, Ubayi Kavana, and it requires intent and requires concentration. And since they are up high, and they're afraid that they might fall from there, therefore they can't stand there and not be fearful and have the proper intent or concentration. So that's by Tefillah. I'll come back and understand why Beshma there isn't that same requirement. So Chatan Patur Mikriyat Shema Laila Rishona. The Chatan who gets married is patur from St. Kriyachma on the first night that he gets married. Va'ad Motzei Shabbat, until Motzei Shabbat, this is what we've seen a number of times in the Gemara, they used to get married on Yom B'vi'i. And then for the first four nights, he had this dispensation, if he has yet to be Boel, the Bilat Mitzvah, he has this dispensation which is poterim from Kriyachma because of the Tirda de Mitzvah. Im lo that's as long as he hasn't yet been boiled to Bilat Mitzvah. Now we're going to have a series of Mishnayot, the end of this Mishnah, and then the subsequent Mishnah has two other cases like this, where Rabbi Gamliel went against what would have seemed to be the normative halacha. So Rabbi Gamliel Nasaisha, he got married, Vikara Laila Rishona. And he read Kriyachma on the first night. Tosafot points out, we're not bringing Rabbi Gamliel to say the Maise is against Sak of the Mishnah, but rather to differentiate and say that it's not always true that you don't read Kriyachma on the first night. Didn't you teach us that on the first night the Chatan is Patur Mikriyachma? I'm not going to listen to you in order to remove from myself the ability to be even for one minute or one hour. So Rabbi Gamliel clearly saw a distinction between himself and the normative halacha. And the normative halacha, what most people are tarud in the mitzvah, and therefore they can't say kriyachim properly. They can't have the proper kavanah. On the other hand, Rabbi Gamliel, Tamar Chacham, someone who was very focused on malchut shemayim, it was so important to him, and it was so much of his life, that even on the first night, he was able to say kriyachim with its proper kavanah. Now the Gemara says, Tanur Banan, Omanim Korim Baroshilan, Ubaroshanidbach, saw that in our Mishnah that they're able to read while they're up in the tree, on the top of the wall, or on the scaffolding. 
Umitpalulim Barosha Zayit Barosha Teina. And they're allowed to daven top the olive tree and the fig tree. Bisharkul Ilanot, any other tree, your dim lamato mitpalim. They must come down and daven. Ubalabayit, Benkach, Ubenkach, you read the mato, umitpalel, fish ain't that tom you shevra love. The Balabayit, who is not mishubad to the work, he doesn't have any encumberment because of the work, he has to come down no matter what in order to daven with proper kavanah. So we just break down what we just saw here in the Tosefta. Number one is, when it comes to Kriyat Shema, you read it on the top of the tree, or wherever you're found, that's where you read it. Truthfully, as the Tamei Reyonu point out, there's no distinction between Umanim and Balabayit here. Both of them read it up there, and we'll see in a second why that is. Now, when it comes to Tefillah, the guards to Umanim, workers, they're distinguished between what type of tree. When the tree is either a Zayit, an olive tree, or a Teina, a fig tree, they remain on top of the trees and they daven. Any other tree, they must come down, and then daven down below. The Balabayit, no matter what tree it is, comes down. What is different or unique about the olive and fig trees? They have a lot of branches. Rashi says, because they have a lot of branches, they're not fearful to stay up there. You can get yourself uh, fixed in a secure position, and the Umanim can daven up there without any lack of kavanah or without any fear, because they feel themselves secure in those trees. The Tamidi Rebbeinu Yona bring an alternative shot, which is the possibility that since it has a lot of branches, it's difficult to descend from the tree and then reascend the tree. It takes a lot of time. And since it takes a lot of time, then we don't want you to waste the time of the balabayit. And so because of that, they tell them, no, don't come down on those trees where it's difficult to descend. Only come down with trees that don't have significant number of branches. Okay, Ramile, Rav Murray, Bra, Debat Shmuel, Lerova. So Rav Murray, the grandson of Shmuel, grandson through his mother of Shmuel, he posited a question to Rova. Now, Rova is a fourth generation Amora, so is Rav Mari. The reason that he's called after his mother's name, and other places he's called Rav Mari Brad Rachel Bat Shmuel, is because of a story that's relating to both that Rashi mentions over here, which is that Shmuel's daughters were taken into captivity, and they eventually married their captors. When they married their captors, she became impregnated by one of the captors before he had converted. Later on, this individual, his father, Isur, does convert. But nevertheless, Ramari was conceived, Shalobi Kedusha, before his father had converted. And only after he converted was he born. And therefore, they attribute the lineage to his mother rather than his father, because she was, of course, Jewish through and through, as well as the fact that she was the daughter of Shmuel, and Shmuel was obviously a distinguished Amora. So that's why he's termed, and you find this numerous places in Shas, as Rav Mari Bra Debat Shmuel, the son of the daughter of Shmuel. So he poses a question to Rav. It's not our Mishnah. From here, it seems pretty clear that they don't require Kavanah, as we just saw in the Tosefta. Tosefta draws a distinction between Tefillah, where you have to come down, and you have to dive in below, versus Kriyat Shmuel, where you can stay up in the tree. Why do you have to come down for Tefillah? Because it requires Kavanah. So that implies that if you stay up at the top for Kriyat Shema, that it does not require Kavanah. Birmini, But we have a Brita that says that one who reads Shema has to have intent, has to have concentration. Shinemar, Shema Yisrael. Olahalanu Omer. And later on in Sefer Dvarim, it says, Haskate Ushma Yisrael. Pay attention. Listen here, Israel. So you see that there's a requirement for attention, concentration, when it comes to the word Shema. And since the term Shema is used in Dvarim, similar to the way it's used in Shema Yisrael, 
So Malahanen beskate, just like by the case later on in Sefer Devarim, it says haskate, pay attention. So to Avkan, when it says Shema Yisrael Shemakem Shemachar, means beskate, to pay attention. Ishtik, Rava had no response. Amalei midi shmilacha b'chal. So Rav Mari pushed him and said, "Did you hear anything about this?" Amalei hachi amar Rav Sheshit. This is what Rav Sheshit says. Vahu shebetelim mimelachtan vikorin. It's only if they stop working. The havamin of the Gemara was that the workers could continue to work, and they just say Shema Yisrael while they're working. Rav Sheshit comes and clarifies that and says that they must cease to work. They stop working. They say Shema, and after they say Shema, they return to their work. So that is what creates the concentration and the ability to have kavanah over here. Vahatanya, don't have a brighta, betilel omrim oskim bimlachtan vikorin, that they're allowed to work, continue their work, and read the Shema. When it says lokasho, that's not a problem. Have a perak rishon, have a perak rishon, a perak sheni. That is in the first perak, meaning in Shema, through Chtavdama Muzobi Techavishrecha, and that's the second perak from Ayam Shamoa until Kimea Shamaim Alaret. So in the first perak, you require Kavanah, you must stop, cease to work, and say the Shema. From Vayayim Shamoa onward, you can continue to work and say Vayayim Shamoa as you are working. The Rishonim all here raised the issue, which is that we just had a machloket about what part of Shema requires Kavanah. And Rova was the author of the opinion that you only need Kavanah for the first Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeno Shemachat. Yet over here, you have Rova quoting Rav Sheshit, and the Gemara is saying, Lokasha, that's in Shema, and that's in Vayayim Shamoa. Sounds like you need to have Kavanah for the entire Shema, not just for the Shema Yisrael Hashem the first Pasuk, all the way you have to have the first paragraph. So why is that? So most of the Rishonim say, the Rav Chodemilta. It's coming to answer according to all opinions. And Ochanami, according to Rova, who says that you only need concentration in the first Pasuk, you only have to stop working for that first Pasuk. Afterwards, you can continue working and say the rest. The Rabbi Yochanan, who says that you have to have Kavanah for the entire first paragraph, so this answer will work for him as well. The Gemara is just answering according to all the opinions, but not saying that this is, even in the opinion of Rava, that this is the case. The Rif, on the other hand, says that even Rava agrees here that you have to stop working for the whole first paragraph. And that is, even though there's only a requirement of Kavanah in the Pasukah Rishon, and Shema Yisrael Echad, Nevertheless, in order that it should not just be arai, it shouldn't be something that is just passing or temporary, to give it a sense of chashivut, you have to stop for the entire first paragraph. By stopping for the first paragraph, it shows a sense of importance to what you're doing and doesn't make it as if you just stop for one second, say Shema Yisrael, and then move on. So according to the Rif, even Rova would agree to this conclusion, not because you require Kavanah, but in order to give chashivut to the entire first paragraph. The Talbina Be'enu Yonah, quote the Rebbeinu Yonah, saying over here that that might be because the first paragraph of Shema and Vahavta is Mina Torah. Vayayim Shema'a is only Mi Dirabanan. And so we saw this before, that there is a Machloket HaRishonim as to how much of Shema is really Shema, Mina Torah. And so the Rebbeinu Yonah, according to this riff, wants to suggest that the riff clearly holds that Shema Midoraita goes until the end of the first paragraph. And that's why the distinction is drawn here between the first paragraph, which you stop working for, and the second paragraph, where you can continue to work and read this second paragraph. Workers that were engaged in work for the owner. So then, Korin First of all, they read Kriyachma. And they say, Birkot Kriyachma. Then, Volchlim Pitan. They sit down and eat their meal. We'll go with this Girsa. They make a bracha beforehand and afterwards, meaning bracha rishona and then a bracha chrona, birkat hamazon. Umit palulim tefilah shal shmanesri. And when they daven, 
they dive in a full Shmonestrin. Aval in your teva. We don't let them make it into a minion and have someone be yored lifnei teva. They don't have birkat kohanim because we have to limit. Okay, we give them, since they are allowed to do this, we let them do all the basics. We don't allow them to do is do beyond the basics where it's just going to take up too much time. Vatanyo, can you really say that? That they don't say a full Shemona Esrei, they say a concentrated Shemona Esrei. They say a Shemona Esrei Havineinu that encapsulates all of the 18 brachot into one single bracha. So I'm Rav Sheshit, Rav Sheshit says, that's no kasha. Harav Gamliel, Harav Yoshua. It's a machloket that we find later on in the Mesechta and Filta Shachar with regards to what is the davening of Shemona Esrei every day. When one davens every day, should you daven the full 18 brachot? That's the position of Rabbi Gamliel. Or do you daven me'ain shmon esrei? Do you daven the concentrated, that summary shmon esrei every day? So that'll be the difference here. Nothing to do with the issue of po'alim, but just a difference in what is the shmon esrei that you're supposed to say on a daily basis. Is it the full shmon esrei or the partial shmon esrei? The Gemara says, wait a minute. If Rabbi Yeshua, if Rabbi Yeshua is the author of their opinion, my yiri po'alim. Why are you talking about workers? Afilu kol adam nami. Rabbi Yeshua believes that everybody, not just workers, says this summary Shmon Esrei. So why would the Brayta mention Paulim? Eli'idi v'idi Rabbi Gamliel. Both Brightot are authored by Rabbi Gamliel, who says normally you say a full Shmon Esrei. there's no difference here in the type of workers they are. Kan osin biskaran, kan osin bisuadatan. It's a question of what they're working for. If they're working for pay, pay in excess of the meals that are provided by the Balabait, in that case, they have to eat faster, they need to daven faster, they have to cut down the amount of time that they commit to not working for the Balabait because they're obligated to work for the Balabait. On the other hand, if these workers are only working or the sole compensation that they will receive is the meals provided by the owner, in that case, they can take their time. Since they're working for the meals, then they take a full meal, they daven properly. That's the difference over here. Vatanya, Tanya here is Binichuta. We have a brighter that supports that distinction. Apolim Sheyusim Lachaitz Balabait. Workers that are engaged in work for the owner, Korim Kriachma Mitpalin, they read Kriachma, they daven, Bochlin Pitan, and they eat their bread. Ve'ain Mivachim Lifana. And they don't make a bracha Rishona. Aval Mivachim Lacharesh time. And they make a bracha afterwards, Birkhamazon, of two brachot. Ketzad, how do you do that? Bracha Rishona Kitikuna. Hazanat Olam, you say it like normal. The second one begins, no And then you bring in Rachem, and you combine them into a single brocha, because, as Rashi says, that they are topically connected. They're not so distinct, and therefore they combine them into one. Why do they make a brocha chrona and not a brocha rishona? Because a brocha chrona is minatorah. What we read in last week's parsha. Later on in the Gemara, in Pegarik Shishi, the Gemara is going to look for the source of a brocha rishona. Gemara is either going to bring it from a Kalvachomer or a steer on the Psukim. And as Tosfa points out of there, it's not a real Kalvachomer because it's not something Midoraita. It's only Midorabanan. And so Rashi says the Rabbanan waived the necessity for making the Bracha Rishona when it's at the expense of the Balabait. But the Bracha Chrona, which is Midoraita, there they could not suspend it. Even though the Brachot are Midoraita, nevertheless, we allow you to summarize them or bring them together. Tosfa says that the Rabbanan. We're allowed to be ochre dover in a Torah in order to have this work out where they can work for the Balabait and still say Birkat Amazon. The Tosad is a little difficult because the Gemara later on says, How do I know 
which parts of Birkat Amazon are Mina Torah and which parts are Midir Rabbanan. Because whatever the Paulim say is Midir Torah, whatever the Paulim don't say is Midir Rabbanan, because they can leave it out. That's what the Chamim are okay. And the only bracha that's like that is a Tova Metiv, the fourth bracha. So the Gemara in Laseleran sounds like that that's not the case, that the Chamim don't have the right to be okay or something Mina Torah. They only have the right to be okay or something Midir Rabbanan. But be that as it may, Tosfot over here suggests that they are able to do that in order to bring the bracha together. What you see here is that we're trying to limit the amount of time that the poalim, the workers, commit to their avodat Hashem and their eating in order to fulfill their obligation to the balabai, to the owner, to work. On the other hand, that's only when they're working for compensation in excess of the meals that they eat. If they're, all their work is just to eat, or the balabai sits down to eat with them, then they make a bracha rishona, and they make a bracha achrona in its full, meaning that they say birkat amazon, they do everything, because they're working for the suda, then that's their time, that's part of the allocated time that they get, is their suda, so they do it in its full, meaning both the bracha rishona and the bracha achrona. Just to note here, that our gears in the Gemara says they do not make a bracha rishona. On the other hand, the rif and the geonim have a gear saw that says mivarchim lefanah, you still have to make a bracha rishona, that might be premised on the Gemara in the 6th parak, which says that if you don't make a bracha rishona, it's as if you're stealing from Hashem. So even though it may not be midoraito, still the Gemara terms it that if one is nene miolam without making a bracha rishona, it's as if they either moel or stealing from Hashem, which is a significant indictment. And therefore, even these poalim that have to work faster, they still make a bracha rishona. And obviously, in most instances, a bracha rishona takes almost no time. So there's doesn't seem to be a lot of reason to skip or skimp on that. So here we see the Brighta making such a distinction between how they're working or the compensation they're working for, and that determines what they daven and how they eat because of their obligations towards the Balabait. Okay, now the Gemara says, quotes the Mishnah and repeats a Gemara that we saw earlier in the Masechta, so almost a word-for-word repetition of that Gemara, which is, Chatan does not have to read Kriyat Shema. The Pasuk, when it says, it comes to tell you, So if you're involved in a Mitzvah, you don't have to do the Mitzvah of Kriyat Shema. Comes to teach you prat the chatan. Comes to exclude a chatan. We mentioned before Rashi says, Why do you need twice? Isn't a chatan also osik ve mitzvah potter mina mitzvah? So Rashi says over there because there's two different problems over here. Osik ve mitzvah generally is someone who's engaged physically in the mitzvah. So over there we say potter mina mitzvah. Here by the chatan, he's not physically engaged in the mitzvah. He is psychologically engaged in the mitzvah. And so that tirdo is enough. So that's a new level of osik ve mitzvah potter mitzvah is when you're engaged psychologically, that's enough to be poter you. And that's why we need two lumudim. Mikan amru, akonesa tebtula patur. One who marries a betula, a virgin, is patur from Kriyachma. Et almana, but if he marries a widow, chayav. My mashma. How do you know this from the psukim, that when it comes to osik mitzvah, patur mitzvah? Amra papa ki Because it's like traveling. Ma derech rishut, just like when you travel, it's optional, it's of your own volition. So to over here, whenever it's a reshut, when you're a velechtach of a derech of reshut, then you have to read Kriyat Shema. It says, how do you know that? It doesn't define for you where he's going or how he's going. It could be going for a mitzvah. It could be going for a shoot. How do you know that it's not a mitzvah? And if it's a mitzvah, Torah still demands that you are correct. And we saw in the Gemara before, also the puzzle could have just written the verb. Why is it written in the possessive form? 
only has to do with your walking, when it's for your own reasons, out of your own volition. So So when you have a lech techa baderach, when you're walking on your way, then you're chayab to read Kriyat Shema. Ha de mitzvah, if you're going on lechet shamayim, then p'tirat, then you are patur from saying Kriyat Shema. Where it says, Iyachi mai iriya The whole issue here is osik mitzvah patur mitzvah, why is that unique to abtula? Afilu koneset almana nami, he's still involved in a mitzvah. If he's involved in a mitzvah, then why isn't he patur even when he marries an almana? Where it says, In one of these cases, he's psychologically engaged, he's worried, so therefore he's patur. In the other case, he's not. So where it says, If the whole issue here is that he's unable to concentrate, then even if his boat is sinking in the ocean, not, not that he's on the boat necessarily, but his merchandise is on the boat and he's losing all of his investments, so then he's tarud also. So why don't you say there he's patur mekriyachma? And if you want to say, yes, he would be patur. But why do we have a statement from When it comes to Avel, when someone is in mourning, they are chayavim in all the mitzvot of Torah. The only exception to that rule is on the first day, they're patur minat filin. Because filin are called a pe'er, the crown, the glory. It says, that you should keep your glory upon your head, glory being the tefillin, the crown being the tefillin, and we say in Moed Katan, anything that is mentioned in Parshat Yechezkel, Tashem tells me, even though you're in mourning, do this, that tells us a regular Aval may not do these things. And so therefore, we discussed back on Daf Yud Aleph, that Rashi brings another explanation, which is that since you have ashes in Midgolel, you're rolling in the ashes in the Tsar, that would be inappropriate, it's a stira, a contradiction, in mindset to have a pe'er, have the tefillin on you when you're rolling around in the dust and the ashes. Amrei hatam tirde mitzvah. Very simple, you need both items. Tirde is not sufficient in itself, and neither is mitzvah sufficient in itself. You need both. You need to have both tirda and mitzvah. And that's true in the case of marrying abtula. You have a mitzvah and you have tirda. Ba'alamana, you only have one of those two. You have the factor of mitzvah, but you don't have the factor of tirda. And when it comes to Tavas Vinatobayam, you have Tirda without Mitzvah. Or you have Tirda without Mitzvah. And same with the case of Avel. By Avel, you have Tirda of Rishut, but not Tirda that's associated with a Mitzvah. So if you don't have both, then you don't get any dispensation when it comes to the tour of Osik Mitzvah, Potur Mena Mitzvah. Right, so this should be familiar to us. This is a replica or repetition of the Gemara that we saw back on Daf Yudalov. Okay, next Mishnah. This brings two more instances where Rabbi Gamliel acted against the normative halacha, which is Ratzchatz Laila Rishon Shemeta Ishto. On the first night after his wife passed away, he took a bath. He cleansed himself. Amrulo Talmidav, again his students jump in. Didn't you teach us, Rabbi? One of the restrictions of Avelut is that you may not wash oneself, you may not clean yourself. I'm not like a regular person. Istinisani. I am delicate, fussy, particular, as Rashi says, therefore, I had to wash myself. The Rabbeinu Hananel suggests over here that it was a sakana. He was in danger. And because he was in danger, that's why he was allowed to wash. The Bino Rabbeinu Yona reject that outright and say it has nothing to do with danger over here. 
has to do with the nature of the Rechitzah. And Tosafot also mentions it over here, that the Isser of Rechitzah for an Avel is Tanug, is the pleasure of the Rechitzah. And that's true on Tishabav, and that is true on Yom HaKippurim as well. In all these instances, the Isser Rechitzah relates to the pleasure that one derives from the Rechitzah. And that means if one does Rechitzah, that's Shaloshel Tanug, there's none of Tanug that is permitted. So for some reason, on Tishabav, someone ended up in mud, and is covered in mud, they're allowed to remove the mud from themselves. They're allowed to wash off the mud. Because that's not for Tanug. That's simply to remove the dirt that is on them. Or the same thing with regards to germs or bacteria. Or if somebody comes into contact with something that's dangerous, they can clearly wash themselves. Because that's not washing of Tanug. That's washing to remove problem. And so that's the same thing over here. When he says, Istinisani, maybe Gamliel is saying, I don't get any pleasure from washing. I am in pain if I don't wash. The washing for me removes a certain amount of tsar that I would be in that you're permitted to do because he's not getting pleasure from it. It's a necessity for him. Now the next case is Ukshemet Taviavdo. When his servant, this is an Evid Knani, died, Kibelalab Tanchumim. He accepted comfort and condolences for his servant Tavi. So Amrulo Tamidav, again, they interject. Didn't you teach us that the normative aloha is that you do not accept condolences when it comes to an Evid Kanani? My servant Tavi is not like any other servant. Kasher Haya. He was unique. He was a Kasher. And we have other stories in the Mishnayot that describe instances in where Tavi, first of all, was well versed in the halacha and where he gets involved in issues of Torah. So Chatan, now we have another statement, which is Chatan, This is a statement that says that Chatan decides that he wants to recreate Shema on the first night. He may do so, similar to what Rabbi Gamliel did. But Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Omer, Gamliel rejects that and says, not everybody is made of the stuff that would allow them to say Kriyat Shema on the first night. And this basically goes to the fact that one requires concentration and focus to say the Shema, and then required for that is his full capacity, his Yishuv Adat, to be settled and calm in order to be So that is not true of most people. Most people in this instance will not have that. Rigam Leal, who did that, was an unusual individual. And Rabbi Shimon Rigam Leal is saying exactly that. That's a unique circumstance. Do not associate that or assign that to all people to, or lay people because not everybody has that ability. Now truthfully today this aloha is not applicable to us. As quoted aloha since today we don't say Kriyat Shema B'Kavana the proper Kavana anyway so then it makes no difference when we say on the night of getting married because it won't look very different than any other night because Tirda and everything else doesn't affect us. We don't have the proper Kavana any night. And so very, oh, this whole aloha really falls away in the structure or the way that we approach Kriyat Shema today. Mara says, My time of the Rabbi Gamliel. What was the position of Rabbi Gamliel premised on? Rabbi Gamliel here washed himself on the first night. And we know, let's just understand this, that Onain, someone who is an Onain, is Aninut Minatorah. An Onain is someone who, after the mate has died, and they're one of the seven Krovim, they are waiting to bury the mate. In that period of time, they're known as an Onain. After they're buried, they become an Avel. So an Onain is Minatorah, and he has restrictions in certain Dini Minatorah, including the fact that he can't eat Maser, Loachalti Beonimimeno. Of course, when it comes to being an Istanist, an Istanist is not going to override a Din Minatorah. 
So Rogamliel can't be in a position where he's going up against Aninut of a Torah. It must be that he's going up against Aninut de Rabbanan, and he has a dispensation because he's an Eastinis. And that's what the Gemara says, Kasever Aninut Laila de Rabbanan. He believes the Aninut of the first night is a din de Rabbanan, only rabbinic in nature. That means after the first day and into that first night, that night is only Aninut mit de Rabbanan, and since only de Rabbanan, Tichtiv, in the end, it's like a bitter day. Now, truthfully, there's no proof from here about Aninut. It's just a way to remember the din, that Yom is the din of Aninut. Mirirut. The bitterness is only during the day, not at night. Rabbanan suspended their Takana, or their Gzeira of Aninut Laila, where a person is an Istinis. And that's what Rabbi Gamliel was relying on, that the Aninut Laila is only Midr Rabbanan. Some later on in the Gemara, whether Aninut only applies to the day, Minat Torah, or Aninut Laila, Aninut of that first night, is also a Din Minhat Torah. You're saying, or you're suggesting that, like on Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av, where we allow a person to wash in these circumstances, then why should this not be true over here? So the answer is, that's where there's a clear problem, where there's mud or dirt on the individual, allowed to wash it off. To have this dispensation by an Eastinist, just because the person's uncomfortable, that we would not say unless it was a Dindar Abanan. So, Eno Hanami in a Dindoraito, what we said before is true. The fact that we include Eastinist in that category will only be true when it's a Dindar Abanan, not when it's a Dindoraito. Just so you know that there is a Machloket between the Rif and the Gonim and the Rabbanani Tsarfat as to Avelut. Here we say Aninut, and according to the Rabbanani Tsarfat, Avelut is totally separate. And therefore, the only thing that is Dorite, the only thing that has been a Torah, is this Aninut of the Yom Rishon. Afterwards, everything is Dirabanan, including all the Avelut. The Rif and the Geonim believe that Aninut and Avelut are somewhat interchangeable. And therefore, just like Aninut Yom Rishon is Dorite, so is Avelut the Yom Rishon is Mina Torah. And so this Gemara here plays a little bit of a role in that Machloket as to whether Avelut is Mina Torah or not, because over here we talk about Aninut, and does Aninut have application to Avelut? But just so you know broadly, there is such a machloket about Avelut of the first day. Now the Gemara continues, Ukshimei Tavi Avdo, Tarnabanan, Avadim Ushvachot, Enom Dimelem Bishura. When it comes to Evid Kanani, Ashivcha Kananit, you don't make a Shura afterwards, that's a common practice at a burial. After they bury the mate, people line up who rose, and then the Avelim walk between them in order that the people standing the Shura can console them as the Avelim pass through. So that is only done for regular people, not done for Avadim and Shvachot. In addition to that, we don't say for them the Birkat Avelim, which is laid out in Ketubot, and you don't give condolences or console for this. The case where the Shivcha Rabbi Eliezer, Shivcha Knanit, Rabbi Eliezer passed away. His students came in to console him. Came in Shirautam, since he saw them coming, Allah Laliyah. He ran up to the attic, to the upper chambers. They chased after him, they followed him. Then he went into the ante room. They followed him. He went into the dining room. Now again, the word truckline comes from the word try, three, which is that in their day, the dining room was set up with the couches that they sat on in order to eat on three sides of the room. 
It was on the back wall and then on the two side walls, and that's why it was called a truck lane from the word try that it was on three sides. Actually, today, if you go up to the ruins, I think it's in Tiveria, you can see a truck lane that's set up. You can see the markings in the floor for the beds that were laid out in that manner. It became to be a word that the Gemara uses not just in that sense. Truck lane means any eating area. They followed him there. Now he turns around with Blazer and says to his students, I thought you would get burnt by the warm water. Meaning, that he says, I thought you'd get the hint. You guys came to console me and I took off. And every time I took off, you followed me and I took off again. I thought you'd get the hint. I don't want you to console me. Now I realize that even if it was boiling hot water, you're not getting the message. So how strong the hint is, you're not going to get the message. Didn't I teach you this? When it comes to avadim knanim, you don't make a shura. All the normal trappings of Eilut do not apply to them. So then what do you say to a person who lost his every knani or shibcha knanit? The same way you address an individual who lost a donkey or an ox. The view of the Gemara, based on the Torah, is that Ebed Kani and Shivu Kananit are treated like property. So you would address the owner the same way you would address any other piece of his property. That just like by an ox or a chamor, if they lost it, you wouldn't say to them and come and console them and say, You shouldn't be in mourning. You just say, it's a loss. It's a monetary loss. So Hashem should replace that which you lost. The same thing is true when it comes to Zevik Knanit and Shivcha Hashem should replace that which you lost. Tani Yidach. We have another bright that says, Avadim Shvachot Ein Maspidim Otan. When it comes to an Evid Knanit and Shivcha Knanit, we do not eulogize them. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Im Evid Kasher, who, if he is a good Evid, if he's a kasher eved, omrim alav, this is what you would eulogize him. Hoi, ish tov. As Rashi points out, the word hoi is lashon genicha v'tzaka. Whoa, calling out, moaning, sighing. Ish tov, this was a wonderful man, a good man. Vineman, trustworthy and loyal. Vineman yigiao, and he enjoyed the fruits of his labor. Samrulo, they said back to Rabbi Yossi about this eulogy. Would you leave over to any regular Jew? Most Jews would love an eulogy like this. If people said about them that they were a good person, that they were trustworthy, loyal, and that they benefited from the fruits of their labor, that's a nice eulogy for anybody. So why would you make this about an Evid? That seems to be something that's unique for an Evid. You seem to be giving a eulogy that everybody wants, and therefore they reject this understanding. This it's interesting over here, the question of why. Why is it that there's no Birkat no Tanchumei Why is there no eulogy? So some of them you could attribute to the fact of this view that they're really monetary objects of the owner and not considered or classified like people. But the other part of it might be to distinguish between them and Kshirim. Because if you allow all the normal trappings of burial and Avelut and Hesbeid, People come to think that they were not Avadim. They come to think that they were regular free people. So in order to make a certain distinction, but be clear that these are Avadim and Shvachot, they took away some of the normal practices that would be associated with a mate. And you see that in, in a minute in the Gemara. There are only three forefathers to Klal Yisrael. Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov. And there are only four matriarchs of the Jewish nation. Avot my timer. 
How come there are only three patriarchs? And if the reason is because we don't know if we came from Ruvain or Shimon, which one of the Shvatim came from? But also by the matriarchs, we don't know. We don't know if we came out from Rachel or Leah. They are considered to be chashuv. From that point forward, they're not considered to be chashuvim. What are the implications of that? A part of it is just who is called a patriarch and a matriarch. But the other implications, according to some of the Rishonim, is that who's considered to be a Jew. Only someone who's a descendant of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and is a descendant of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, or Leah, will they be classified as a Jew? So that will come to the exclusion of some of our cousins. So Tanya Yidach, we have another bright that says, Avadim Shvachot, Ein Korinim Atam Abaploni, Ploni, We don't call these Ebekani and Shifcha Kananit by the terminology father so-and-so and mother so-and-so. Now, what's interesting here, this doesn't literally mean mother and father, but rather it was some sort of salutation. It was the equivalent of Mr. and Mrs. or something to that effect. So Abba was a term of endearment, but it was also a prefix that was put before somebody's name. Same way that you say uncle or aunt. So over there they say Abba and Ima. So that is not used by an Evid Kanani and a Shifcha Kananit. But the servants of Plonit. they did address them this way, Store. So what, you bring down a practice that was against what we just said? No, because they are chashuvim, they are significant. So it could be because Rehum was the Nasi, and therefore as part of being in the house of the Nasi, they were given that title. So even the Shivka Kanit, David got elevated because they were in the house of Rehum and therefore they got the title of Abba and Ima, even though normally they shouldn't have gotten it. That's one possibility. Or the other possibility is, like we said before, the whole point of not giving them the normal processes and trappings is because we don't want people to confuse them for Yuxin. That's what Tosavot says over here. Over here, by Regamliel, we don't have that problem. By regular Ebekhtani or Shkhaqtani, you have that problem. If you give them Mr. and Mrs., they'll be thought as regular people. But by the servants of Rabbi Gamliel, it was clear that they belonged to the house of the Nasi, and they were well known as the servants of the Nasi, and therefore nobody would confuse them. So Amar Abelazer, what is meant in the Pasuk? Cain avarechecha bichayai, I will bless you in my life. Bishimcha esekapai, and your name I will say with raised hands. Cain avarechecha bichayai, I will bless you in my life. Zukriyachma. Bishimcha esekapai, I'll elevate your name with my hands, which is like tefillah, like Shlomo Melech does in his tefillah in Malachim Aleph when they consecrate the Beit HaMikdash. He raises his hands up to heavens, to Davin. Zutfilah. That refers to Shmonesre. If he does such, the Pasuk says about him, it's the next Pasuk in this Perikantilim. He'll be like fat and marrow. His soul will be satisfied. So that's the bracha that you get for St. Kriyat Shmonesre. He inherits two worlds. It's a continuation of that Pasuk. Yehalel P. My mouth brings forth praises through my joyful lips. And so the Gemara is playing on the word Rinanot, which is written in plural, that refers to Olam Azeh and to Olam Abba. Now Rabbi Lazar, Bater Misayim Slotei Amar Hachi. When he completed his davening, when he completed his monastery, this is what he would add on the end. Now eventually we'll get to our edition, which is Lokai Nitzor. But 
for the remainder of today's daf. And then into the beginning of tomorrow's daf, we'll have other suggestions. Some of them will be familiar to you from other parts of davening where they've been used instead. Others will not be so familiar. So, Rebbe Lezer says, after he finished davening, he used to say this, He read some of the Hashem, okay, no, should be your will, Hashem. Shetishkon bepureinu, that you should dwell in our, as Rashi speaks over here, that pureinu comes like from the word pur is goraleinu, and our lot, and what happens with us. Ava, ve'achva, v'shalom, v'reyut, love, brotherhood, peace, and friendship. V'tirbe gvuleinu betalmidim, and you expand our boundaries with students. V'tzatzliach sofeinu, and we should succeed in the end. Achrit v'tikva, to have a good end, and tikva and hope. And give us a portion in the Garden of Eden. And you should give us a good friend. The good inclination. In your world, we should arise early. You see over here in the Mesut Hashats, that means our desire should be to fear you. And the satiation of our souls should become before you for goodness. I mean, it is a bracha that Hashem should give us that satiation of the soul. Rabbi Yochanan, when he completed his tefillah, said this, Here at some of Hashem, okay, no. So it should be your will, Hashem, should tatzitz bivashtenu. You should peek at our embarrassment. Bitabit, and you should look or see birateinu in our, well here, ra'ateinu, Rashi translates as being the bad that comes on us, meaning our plight in life. And you should cloak yourself in your mercy. And you should clothe yourself in your strength or your might. And you should enwrap yourself in your loving kindness. And you should gird yourself with your grace. And before you should come, your your characteristic of goodness which means either your gentleness or your humility, that midah should be before you when you interact with us. Rabbi Zeiro, Rabbi Zeiro, when he completed Shemun Esrei, added this, that we should not sin, and we should not be shamed, and we should not be disgraced, any more than our forefathers. Rabbi Chia, when he completed Shemun Esrei, said this, should be your will, Hashem, the Torah should be our livelihood. Our hearts should not go faint. And our eyes shouldn't darken. I mean, we should have the full vigor to pursue your Torah. Rav, when he completed his Torah, said this. This should be familiar to you. Because it says here at Somo Hashem Lokeinu, it should be your will, Hashem. should give us a long life. A life of peace. A good life. Chaim shel bracha, a life of blessing. Chaim shel parnasa, a life of sustenance. Chaim shel chiluta tzamot, a life of bodily vigor, strong bones, or the ability to move, freedom of movement, mobility. Chaim sheish b'hem yirat chait, a life that has fear of sin. Chaim shein b'hem bushach lima, life that has no embarrassment or disgrace. Chaim shel osher v'kavod, a life of wealth and honor. Chaim shevanu ava Torah v'yirat shamayim, a life of love of Torah and yirat shamayim and fear of heaven. Chaim shejimalanu et kol mishalot dubeinu tova, a life where all our desires should be fulfilled for good. This is what Ravin added in the end of his tefillah. So obviously this is the tefillah that we say when we are mivarech et ha'chodesh. Rebbe bater slotei amar hachi, 
Rebbe, after he finishes Tvila, said such. Should be your will, Hashem, and the God of our fathers, that you should save us from those that are impudent, arrogant, and then we should be saved from being arrogant and impudent. From a bad person. From a bad happening, a mishap. From an evil inclination. From a bad friend. From a bad neighbor. And from the destructive Satan. And from a difficult or harsh trial. Or from a difficult or harsh Opponent, counterparty, Ben Shu Ben Berit, whether he is a person of the covenant, meaning Jewish, Ben Shainu Ben Berit, whether he's not part of the covenant, whether he's not Jewish. Rebbe said this fila, the Gemara just adds in, even though Antinunus had given his officers to protect Rabbi and made sure that nobody did anything bad to Rabbi, Rabbi still said this fila, even with all that protection. So you see how important this fila is. Again, we don't say it at the end of Shemun Esri, we say it in the morning at the end of the brachot. That we say in Birchot HaShachar, this is that concluding part. Of Safra, but it's Lote Amarachi. Of Safra, when he finished his filah, would say this: That you should bring peace to the heavenly entourage's family, and those that are below. As Rashi points out, is in the groups of ministers of the nations. Because if those ministers above quarrel, then right away, down below, there's going to be a war, there's going to be some difficulty. So keep the peace above, so there's peace below. That there should be peace among the Chachamim. And amongst the students that are toiling in your Torah, whether they do it for the right reasons, I mean they do it just the shame for the sake of heaven, whether they do it not for the sake of heaven, and all of those that don't do it for the sake of heaven, they should reach that point where they do learn for the sake of heaven. Okay, we're going to stop over here, even though the Gemara continues, but it's going to go on for a while with other alternatives to what people said at the end of their davening.